Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 11th, 2013. For newcomers, I suggest, I always suggest at the beginning of the show, even most folks skip this part, but I do suggest that you make use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, lots of free audios for download and transcripts as well for prints up and all the sites that you'll see listed on CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and go into Alan Sentinel.eu for transcripts for prints up in other languages. And remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. This is the bit everyone skips, of course, because I do it at the beginning of every broadcast. But the fact is, uh, the people who support me are the ones who supposedly listen, and very few actually do. It's been the same people all along. And many people, believe you me, many people across the world uh, are into the sites every single day. And, um, in fact, it changed the whole avenue of even the Patriot movement uh, quite a few years back, uh, the information that came out here. And uh, it's up to you, the listeners, to help me keep going by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and also supporting me through donations. So uh, I'd really appreciate it if you try to do so. Remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can still uh, use personal checks and you can still use uh, international postal money orders to Canada. And you can use PayPal or send cash. And across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And straight nations are really, really welcome in these inflationary times. And what I do is I say as I go through the history of the system we're born into and how it developed and the the various power groups that were working uh, during your lifetime and before you were born too to bring in a type of world society uh, run by what they thought were professional people rather than just allow people to go to school and, and pick the occupation they wanted. They wanted a planned society that included who would get born, who would not get born according to society's needs. And a powerful, wealthy elites were running this whole show, still are today. And they set up their central banking systems, private banks. These central banks all work under uh, the International Monetary Fund. They set that up too. The same organization set up the Bank for International Settlements to to uh, manage all these central banking systems of the world. And if you own the money supply or even the, the production of money, printing of it, whatever, then you own everything else underneath it that runs on money. Uh, forget prime ministers and presidents. They give you your prime ministers and presidents and even their own particular historian from the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Carol Quigley mentioned that the Royal Institute for International Affairs has picked the presidents and prime ministers for the last hundred years. And that's not joking, folks, across the whole world. So this is to bring in a world society uh, and modernize it, as they say, by having experts run our lives for us. That's our thoughts, our opinions. It's all given to you. You don't arrive at your own conclusions. That You're guided to conclusions. It's a technique, very simple technique, very simple science, ancient science at that too. And it's taught even in philosophy. If you understand philosophy, you can see how the techniques of getting you to agree are used still today. Uh, look at 
Plato and his dialogues, etc., and how you can you convince the person you're having the dialogue with to come to your your more reasonable point of view. Once you do that, you move on to the next reasonable point of view until they got you in the bag. That's what they do on talk shows on, on television as well. They do the same technique to try to set you up and try to make a laughing stock out of you too. But uh, you can't go along with them because it's a well-used ancient technique of setting you up, as I say, and uh, making a fool out of you. That's the whole idea of it. So you can't go along with them. So you're living in a society now that is using science in a big way, TV, Internet, everything. And Internet, believe you me, is not free of these characters, too, that run our minds for us. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix. And uh, the understand too, as I say, a particular culture wanted to dominate the world. And it was well structured. It was a very old culture. And had been, had been, had problems from other countries in the past. And they set up their own organizations and their own methodology of stopping what they saw was repression of their own people. Uh, and then they sent out Freud, actually. Freud was there who said that he would bring a plague to America. And uh, the plague was psychoanalysis based on basically sexual repression. And that was his theory, of course. But it was really uh, a political tool or a social tool. He claimed that uh, it would stop certain types of um, harassment against certain peoples. Uh, by unleashing their sexual desires. He said that the reason that the West uh, wasn't up to being taken over, in a sense, and taken over, he meant too, was that they were too repressive in their sexual resire- desires. Therefore, they would liberate the sexual energy, and that would stop it. In other words, it was to destroy the dominant cultures he was talking about. That's what it's for. But look where we are today. And talking about destruction of dominant cultures, this is from the, the BBC, of course, and it's from... Jimmy Savile, the guy who, the big perv, who got away with it for such a long time because he was a procurer. He procured children for gangs. Even those particular report tries here say that they can't find any evidence of a particular organized child porn gang or anything like that. But, of course, we know for other articles that came out that he definitely was um, in charge of a big porn gang for very wealthy and very uh, distinguished people, put it that way. But it says the report, this is the final report, and it, says, it reveals decades of abuse, which we already knew. Adults and children, including a boy of eight, were abused by Jimmy Savile. The report detailing allegations over 50 years has revealed. Now, remember, you can't get away with 50 years of this working at the BBC and for all these so-called charitable groups without them knowing what you're up to. And, of course, they did all know what he was up to. Many have come forward who worked in these institutions, even had keys to the hospitals and, and so on, and he would go up into the, and, and diddle the children in their beds, for God's sake, you know. It's his police and the National Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Children, who also no doubt were all, were all quite happy to get cash flowing from Savile to them too, you know. Outlined offences by the late presenter at venues including 13 hospitals and a hospice. Some 214 crimes were recorded across 28 police force areas, including 34 of rape or penetration, reports said. 
The CPS apologized for missing the opportunity to prosecute Savo in 2009 when he was still alive. No, they couldn't prosecute him then because it would have opened a, a, a tinder keg, basically, of all the other sirs and lords up there that he was mixing with. That's why uh, they didn't want to do it during his lifetime. The Metropolitan Police said the victim's accounts painted a compelling picture of what were widespread sexual abuse by a predatory sex offender, said Commander Peter Spindler, who was leading the investigation, and said Savile had groomed the nation. That's a good term. The TV and, and the BBC and Savile, along with a lot of other trash they were throwing out to the public at that time, uh, a la Freud, in other words, to destroy you know, and liberate the sexual revolution, they groomed the nation, you see so the predators could work on everyone. The NSPCC said Savile had been one of the most prolific sex offenders in its 129-year history. No, he's only the most prolific that they've actually caught. Uh, well, they didn't catch him. He's dead, isn't he? Uh, because there's, there's lots more. I've read some articles here in the past about some of the lords who have strange proclivities, who even like to get young boys off the street and have them poop over glass while they um, lay underneath it. I've read these from mainstream on the air. That's Britain for you. Anyway, she's a former PBC presenter of Top of the Pops and Jim will fix it, who also worked as a radio DJ, Radio 1 DJ, and received a knighthood in 1990, died at age 84 in October 2011, a year before the allegations were broadcast in an ITV documentary. Revelations that Savile had sexually abused children prompted hundreds of victims to come forward, including those who said they were attacked on BBC premises and a number of other institutions. By the way, he wasn't the only one who was at it in the BBC. Uh, other other uh, young people have, who took part in the BBC programs also were raped there by others in the BBC. That's also been disclosed. But they must remember the BBC is a British Broadcasting Corporation. It's the mouthpiece of the those who rule Britain, and it's taxpayer funded. They give you the culture or the degradation of culture, depending how you want to look at it. And it says that the NSPCC Director of Child Protection Advice and Awareness, Peter Watt, said the sheer scale of Savile's abuse over six decades simper, simply beggars belief. He's without doubt one of the most prolific sex offenders we've ever come across, and every number represents a victim that will never get justice now that he's dead. The Giving Victims a Voice report set out to findings of Operation Utree, which launched three months ago to investigate the Savile abuse claims. So it says Savile offended at 13 hospitals, including Great Osmond or Ormond Street, with one offence recorded at Wheatfields Hospice in 1977. A total of 14 offences recorded in relation to schools. He went to orphanages, by the way, too, including Jersey, and what a scandal that place is. Savile's youngest victim was an 8-year-old boy, and the oldest was a 47-year-old woman. The earliest allegation is from 1955 in Manchester, and the last is from 2009. Offences were carried out at the BBC between 65 and 2006, including at the last Top of the Pops recording. You actually see him grabbing or putting the hand up someone's skirt there, you know. Peak offending took a place between 1966 and 76. A total of 450 people have made sexual abuse allegations against Savile since October, of whom 73% were under 18, with most aged 13 to 16. There's no clear evidence he operated in a PFL ring. Actually, there is, although whether he was part of an informal network is still still being investigated. Well, they can't go any higher than that because uh, it would destroy... The, you understand that in, all governments are the same. They'd rather repress stuff at the top when there's scandals because the people will lose confidence in the government. That's what they always say. 
So they repress it all, which makes it continue, you see. Anyway, the Health Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, says we want to know that we have the right procedures in place. In response to the report, the BBC said it was appalled some of the offences were committed on its premises and restated a sincere apology to the victims of these crimes. The report also revealed 16 offences were committed at Leeds General Infirmary, the hospital, between 1965 to 95, and 22 at Stoke Mandeville Hospital between 1965 to 88. Only one offence was committed at each of the following hospitals, then they named them all, psychiatric hospitals and everything, and high security ones as well. And uh, this is Health Secretary Jeremy Hunt said he wanted to be able to, to assure the National Health Service patients, <laughs> these are the ones who are all getting buggered, folks, that it would be much, much harder for abuse on such a scale to happen again by establishing whether the National Health Service procedures were to blame. All the nurses knew what was going on, and they were told not to open their mouths about it. And that all came out too during the inquiry. He told BBC Radio's Four World at one program that the scale of the challenge for the NHS's investigation of Savile's abuse on its premises was absolutely huge because it would cover a period of 40 years. In the shadow, Home Secretary Viet Cooper called for a proper overarching review led by child protection experts into why everyone failed. Well, why bother with these experts? Because they all knew what was going on at the time, folks. A myriad of small reviews and inquiries into how it could happen in different hospitals or the BBC are just not enough. And the Crown Prosecuting Service also published a review of a decision in 2009 not to charge Savile with sexual offences in relation to four complaints made to police in Surrey and Sussex. See, when you're awfully famous, you see, and you've been, you've been given that little dabbing of the sword by the Queen, uh, nobody's going to touch you. And, and, and Savile pretty well said that too. So, it won't go any further, and this is the, they're telling you basically that this won't go any further. Try to put it all on Savile. There was a lot more than Savile involved in this, and they all darn well know it. But they won't go any further with it, so that's that. A little bit about, uh, Freud, as I mentioned too. When Freud came to America, as by the Chronicle Review, and talks about, it doesn't go into, by the way, why he was, he was using uh, the sexual liberation technique, but you have to go into the Frankfurt School to see, uh, because there were, um, you find that the authors, they were much more frank as to why uh, they were pushing this sexual liberation, which was also to destroy the dominant cultures, by the way, so that another culture could take over. And after reading that now about Savile, you've got this article here. It says, lowered the age of consent to just 14, say, civil servants. These are the people who work for, as bureaucrats and politicians for Britain. And let's make nudity on the streets legal too. Civil servants were asked for ideas to cut state intrusion into everyday life. An outrageous suggestion to lower consent age was rejected by some of the ministers. But reforms to nudity laws are still being considered, sources say. You see, the same agenda that Freud brought over is still on the go, folks. Uh, often by the descendants of the same people who started off in the first place. Lowering the age of consent to 14, allowing public nudity were amongst the suggestions made by officials drawing up a new new laws on personal freedoms, personal freedoms to destroy what's left of whatever culture you have. Number 10 asked civil servants to produce a list of ideas that could be included in legislation to reduce state intrusion into everyday life. I guess they're talking about things like Jimmy Savile. If you just lower the age of consent, then you can, you can screw whoever you want to, I guess. 
that Ridge's suggestion to lower the age of consent had been rejected out of hand by ministers and their advisers. This is what sources said reforms to nudity laws which would give men and women the right to wander naked on Britain's streets and beaches without fear of arrest were still being considered. Men bathing naked on a beach not designated for naturism or appearing nude in other public areas can face prosecution under the 1824 Vacancy Act, which makes it illegal to expose the male person, and women can be charged under the Public Order Acts. In a joint appearance at Downing Street earlier this week, David Cameron and Nick Clegg revealed that a new Freedoms Bill, a Freedoms Bill, oh, what a nice name for it, would be among key priorities for the next two and a half years of coalition government. This is the most important thing on their agenda. Eh? Can you, can you believe this, folks? Uh, see, society has been gone, your culture has gone, and they're not finished stamping it into the mud yet. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts from we're cutting through the matrix talking about the system, the system that you're living in which didn't just arrive by itself, it's always guided. Culture and cultural change is always guided with big money too. But it goes into the history of uh, the Sexual Offences Act and so on. And says in 1875, the Offences Act against the Persons Act raised the age of sexual consent from 12 to 13 in Great Britain and Ireland. That only came about because royalty at one time used to marry so young. Ten years later, the Criminal Law Amended Act, uh, Amendment Act raised it to 16. And now some libertarians have argued that the law should be reformed as it was routinely flouted with 40% of teenagers becoming sexually active by the age of 15. Well, they are now because they all watch that television. that has got a massive agenda behind it. The Liberal Democrats are leading on the bill, uh, and people were in shock. With everything that's going on with Jimmy Savile, you don't need more than two brain cells to realize how toxic this is. Academics who have proposed that the age of consent could be reduced from 16 to 14, but only for young couples who are less than two years apart in age to prevent paedophile relationships. Well, that wouldn't stand up in court if, if you got them sexually active then at a very young age. Uh, it wouldn't stand up in court. According to organizations such as the International Child and Youth Care Network, an age of consent of 16 criminalizes more than half the teenage population because, you see, they're all told what to do by their television and music television and all the rest of it. All you see is sex, 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 sex. It makes it hard to give them proper advice and support to prevent diseases, unwanted pregnancies and abuse. One conservative source said the Prime Minister had been appalled to discover that lowering the age of consent had ever been considered. Well, they should take a little survey of who works for government, shouldn't they? And I wouldn't be surprised of the results. And the Liberal Democrats are leading on the bill, and people are in shock. And it says there's, there's some sensible stuff in the bill, such as making it easier to get permission for street parties and other public events. How these other ideas ever came to be put down on papers beyond comprehension, that uh, they're bonkers, and, and we insisted that they were abandoned. Liberal Democrat sources insisted it was categorically untrue that the party had in any way been pushing the idea on sexual consent. What a joke. Of course they have been. So anyway, uh, that's the ones who are put in power, or they put themselves in power by the real power that runs the world, to destroy your cultures, folks. And they're pushing, as always, so you're totally defunct. 
You understand, um, you have no idea how contaminated your mind becomes with television. Someone sent me some links recently to the comedy shows in the U.S. I think it's Comedy Central, some of them. And literally, here's all these adults giggling and laughing at what used to to call fart jokes. Fart jokes are popular between young boys between the age of 5 and maybe 10 at the the most. So they're still stuck at that age of, of, you know, perversion, basically, simple perversion. And you're supposed to grow out of it as you get older, but the comedians there don't seem to have got out of it with the stuff that's coming out of their mouths. But that's part of the cultural destruction as well. And it's not a matter of, of having choices. This is a, a plan to destroy what's left of culture. And you already see the chaos of the damages done already with the massive abortion industry, which had to come out of the same, the same slime, obviously, of promotional sex, you know, and thrown it everywhere. Just do it. Just do it. Just like the ads say, just do it. And the, the, um, unwanted pregnancies too. Then single mother family, parent families, children having children. And the state pays for the tab. In other words, the public pay for it all, which is the big part of the banking system you live under. They love big welfare systems as part of their control over you. It's not about stopping you having fun, folks. Also put up an article tonight to do with illnesses in unvaccinated children. Studies have been done between those who had vaccinations and they found out that the unvaccinated children are far less likely to be affected by common diseases than the, the vaccinated children. That's quite a lot of studies being done, actually. Due to the fact that the majority of children in the survey are between zero and two years of age, and some diseases generally do not appear in this age group, the results are sub- subdivided into different age groups. And you can see that by clicking on the chart. And it, shows. And it goes into all the, the, the effects of those who've had... Um, Vaccinations versus unvaccinated. And the vaccinated end up having massive allergies. Uh, they have neurodermatitis. And they've got asthma. And uh, many, many other problems too. The unvaccinated ones don't. So I'll put that article up tonight. I've got two or three you put up on that. In fact, I'll put that up too. And also... A rogue virus in the vaccine, early polio vaccine, harbored virus, now feared to cause cancer in humans. I've mentioned that before. The other night I put up one by the man who spearheaded. He was the pioneer for vaccine creation for all the big companies. And you'll hear him himself talking about it on YouTube, uh, that they knew they're putting all these cancer viruses, especially in the polio vaccine. They're just, not just a polio vaccine, by the way. They're in pretty well every kind of vaccine that's out there because they grow a lot of these uh, viruses on human tissue. And the human tissue they prefer is actual cancer tissue, like the HeLa uh, tissue. And that's ultimately mushed up in a blender and uh, they try to get the pink bits out so you're not disgusted and then inject it into you. Uh, and that's how simple vaccination really is. Now, Canada is, is no different than other countries now, but the filth we watch on television and the effects it has on the minds of young people. And they're getting rape cases now. Now they're attacking young men. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, talking about the sexual assaults that go on. And of course the big thing is, is always is also homosexual assaults and pedophilic assaults. Because it's happening more commonly. And I think it was earlier this year, last year they had just passed in Nova Scotia. They had men attacking young boys there for sex. And now they've got it happening in the West Coast in British Columbia. It says Prince George Mounties have arrested six suspects. These are gangs of them now, in connection with what they describe as a horrific sexual assault. They left one boy in hospital earlier this week. Officers received an anonymous tip Monday directing them to a local apartment building where they found the victim lying unconscious in a snowbank. He was taken to the University Hospital of Northern BC for treatment, where he remained in serious but stable condition Thursday night. This is a very disturbing investigation, Corporal Craig Douglas said in a statement, we'll do everything to find those responsible. They believe the boy whose age has not been released was lured to the apartment before being beaten and sexually assaulted by a group consisting of both youths and adults. There's also females here too. A second boy is believed to have been lured to the same apartment but suffered a less severe attack. Investigators eventually identified six suspects, all of whom have been arrested and remain in custody. They include a 20-year-old woman, an 18-year-old man, and one girl, and three boys whose ages have not been released. None of the suspects have been charged or identified. Police say they are due to appear in court later this week. And then they're asking for information. But this is, this is again from the boob tube and the cultural degradation, because all you get now through what you're, what you're watching is degradation, is weaponized. You understand your entertainment is totally, totally weaponized for a reason. It's not just money. You've got big bucks, all right, but it's not just money. Hope you understand that. And also this article here, it came out to do with Planned Parenthood, which is to do with abortions across the planet. Planned Parenthood, it sounds different than abortions, you see. And there's a great history to that as well. I could go into that forever, but I won't bother. And it says, um, in its newly released annual report for fiscal, fiscal year 2011 to 2012, Planned Parenthood records no less than 333,964 abortions for 2011. This is just one organization. In the same report, the organization states that 45% of its revenue in that year came from taxpayers. So you see, you do pay for the fallout. Town Hall reports that over the past three years, Planned Parenthood, carrying the slogan, Care No Matter What, (laughs) performed nearly a million abortions. By the way, they don't just toss those uh, babies away. Uh, They can sell the parts, you know, for serums and things like that, stuff to inject into you and, and all that kind of stuff. And it says in the preface of the report, the organization's chair and president state, We're so proud of this year's many successes and deeply grateful to all the partners, supporters, volunteers, staff and friends who helped make them possible. Well, the majority of the revenues received by Planned Parenthood in 2000 consists of the taxpayers contributing to less than, um, no less than 45% of all income. Contributions from friends make out only 26% of the total revenue received in 2011, while another 26% is from non-governmental health services. One way or another, it's all funneled through the government, even from the foundations. Planned Parenthood, described by Douglas R. Scott Jr. as the most proficient killing machine in America, and that's true, they're all all about gun control and gun shootings. Well, look look at the record of this bunch here. This is heavily involved into the Obama campaign. Here's a depiction of PP's president, Cecile Richard, uh, leaning no doubt as to her political allegiance. 
As Politico reported during a Democratic convention late last year, the current Democratic platform is carefully avoiding taking a stand on one of the most decisive or divisive issues in the U.S. today, the practice and principle of terminating unborn life. And it depends how you even phrase it. It depends on what religion you believe. You see, because certain, a certain religion doesn't believe you have life until you're born. It doesn't matter if it's been growing inside you all that time. You may see that's part of the woman's appendages. And that's taking the predominant view over other, other predominant religions. Instead, of the, the current democratic convention hopes to avert the looming specter of electoral defeat, addressing the issue indirectly, framing the issue in such euphemistic words as human rights, empowering women to make their own decisions, and last but not least, reproductive health. As national polls have indicated, a majority of Americans favors more strict regulations in regard to abortion. The Democratic National Convention therefore has carefully avoided using the A-word. After all, campaigning history has shown that such words can and will be used by the other side to slam the Democrats for recklessness at election time. Rather than taking their positions on the subject, the Democrats have included typical United Nations euphemisms designed to make abortion an issue of human rights. As a political article puts it, don't expect them to focus on abortion or even necessarily use the word. Instead, they'll defend Obama's record on reproductive health and reproductive rights. And as they have before, they'll accuse the GOP nominee Mitt Romney and his party of waging a war on women. And they use all these techniques. You don't understand, everybody's been used, understand, by a particular group that wants to dominate the world. They've done it already, in fact. It's been done. And all this is just a chaos. And, again, the planned society. It's not just planned parenthood. Remember, planned society, underneath that comes many of the different parts of the plans, and one is planned parenthood, you see. Old stuff written about from the eugenicists long ago. It says, in the rhetorical maneuverings, the Democratic parties attempted to play into the feelings of the majority of pro-choice party members, while at the same time avoiding direct clash with the majority of the American people, not quite as inclined to embrace abortion as a morally viable option. I don't think it really matters, because folk don't realize how much their minds have been poisoned by what they laugh at as entertainment. And it really does affect you. It's meant to. It's weaponized by specialists. I mentioned, too, that the Council on Foreign Relations, this part of the big world governmental system, this is simply one of the branches of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. You can't call them royal in America, so they call it the Council on Foreign Relations. Same in the European Union, every member of parliament over there and the guys who run it all at the top, the shadow bunch, uh, are all members of the European Council on Foreign Relations, and George Soros is in the head of that one. And the, the top bankers in the world set up the Council on Foreign Relations and they set up the Royal Institute for International Affairs. But they've always pushed for, for intense multiculturalism as an intention to destroy dominant cultures so as they can be replaced. That's the real reason for it, not to bring world peace. And you look at the history of U.S. immigration. It's quite amazing to look at the records and who was fighting what and who came up against it and tried to get it all through. And generally was successful. For change. U.S. immigration reform will happen at last, it says. This is from the CFR's website by Richard N. Haas, who's the president of it. It says, um, in the November election, many consequences, but few may be as profound as its impact on the likelihood of immigration reform. So at last, it says. Why? It has a good deal to do with domestic policies. 
and politics. One out of every six Americans is at least has some at least Hispanic heritage. The Republican Party will not continue to be a national party able to compete successfully in presidential elections unless it embraces a more open approach towards immigrants and immigration. It doesn't hurt that two potential Republican nominees in 2016, the former Florida Governor Jeb Bush and current Florida Senator Marco Rubio, are strong advocates of just such change. Understanding the consequences of immigration reform for the U.S. requires unpacking the issue into its three essential components. The first illegal entry has largely been resolved, the result of increased vigilance at borders, a slowed economy that offers fewer jobs and smaller family sizes in Mexico that leaves fewer young men wanting to come to the U.S. The second dimension is the most controversial, the state of the 11 million people who, are, who have entered or have remained in the country illegally. Forcing them to leave or self-deport, as Romney's put it, is not a serious option, but forcing these men, women and children to live in the shadows is inhumane and limits what they contribute to U.S. society. So anyway, it's a rah-rah thing for opening up the floodgates. It's not just Mexico they're talking about either. If you look at the records and the history of what the CFR actually is, most folk don't bother looking into it. And also, too, with the, the, the future uh, going along the, the way of uh, uh, Demolition Man and everything else, uh, and all the other sci-fis I've given you, and with the higher tech weaponry, they're way ahead of anything they show you, by the way, on, on movies. They're way, way ahead. They're light years away ahead with high technologies. But with drones coming and drones policing and all the rest of it, and drones being used in the military, this is rain metal demos laser that can shoot down drones to give you a, a little show off to how this thing automatically can, can track drones and, and shoot them down with lasers. So the laser weapon system that can shoot down two drones at a distance of over half a mile or over a mile has, has been demonstrated by rain metal defense. They're not the only ones that have them. I saw one earlier in the year where a U.S. company had them as well. These things automatically zone in very quickly and uh, just laser them out of existence. They've used lasers, by the way, for many, many years. They've even brought down planes in the past on, and blamed it on terrorists. But uh, that's a different story. And the big uh, bank, uh, it wasn't a crash, it was a planned takedown uh, by the bankers themselves, who met years before the crash and discussed how they're going to make billions off of uh, worthless mortgages by jacking up their prices and pass them around and sell them to each other, and that they're just too big to fail then. They had actual meetings with the top bankers, and they said the, the American citizens would have to bail them out. So they, they knew what they were doing as a strategy, and it was also to get you into more poverty, to the same bankers, by the way, and they would be the bosses over you, which has happened, of course. They've been the bosses over you for an awful long time. But this is the same farce of, of it is still going on. It says Bank of America is to pay Fannie Mae billions to settle mortgage claims. They're still fighting between each other as they pass these worthless mortgages on and jacked up the prices. So the Bank of America has agreed to pay U.S. government mortgage agency Fannie Mae $3.6 billion to settle claims relating to residential home loans. In addition, it's agreed to buy back 30,000 mortgages for $6.75 billion and pay a further $1.3 billion in compensation. It's just amazing that all those folks ended up in the streets and the bankers somehow still have titles to all the homes. Quite suddenly. Isn't it some? Also, an art, this article is called The Art of War, Netanyahu's Black Line. And it says, Israeli Prime Minister wanted to impress the public opinion by brandishing a naive drawing at the podium of the UN General Assembly. We all saw it. You had that round-type uh, 
Inspector Clouseau bomb, you know, with a little fuse on top that you like. It says on, on September 27th, to accuse Iran of developing a nuclear bomb, but his approach backfired. He only succeeded in demonstrating the emptiness of his arguments and made it clear to everyone that he, that he had much to hide, it says. We know that, we know that what the Iranian nuclear bomb looks like is a ball with a fuselet as portrayed in children's comic strips. Usually Prime Minister Netanyahu presented the drawing at the UN General Assembly and just like a nursery school teacher, he pulled out a felt pen and drew a beautiful red line intersecting the bomb. Here, he said, is where the world's most dangerous terrorist regime lives. The Iranian must be stopped before they get enough enriched uranium for the first bomb. A completely different scenario should have been presented at the United Nations, that of the powerful Israeli nuclear arsenal surrounded by the black line of secrecy and omerta. According to James Defense Weekly, Israel, the only nuclear power in the Middle East, has 100 to 300 nuclear warheads ready to launch ballistic missiles, which, as in the case of the Jericho 3, can reach a range of 8 to 9,000 kilometers. Germany supplied Israel as a donation or sold at bargain price four modified dolphin submarines, in addition to the original six torpedo tubes for launching short-range cruise missiles. Each vessel has been equipped with four extra tubes for nuclear-armed Popeye tur- turbo uh, cruise missiles with a range of 1,500 kilometers. Israel's German-built submarines are extremely quiet and can remain submerged for over a week. They're currently cruising the eastern Mediterranean, the Red Sea and the Persian Gulf, ready right around the clock for nuclear attack. The U.S., which has supplied Israel with more than 350 F-16s and F-15 fighter bombers, has pledged to provide at least 75 dual-capable nuclear and conventional F-35 jets. The Pentagon, which withholds access codes to F-35 software, even from countries such as Italy involved in its construction, will nevertheless make them available to Israel so that they may integrate the F-35 in its own electronic warfare systems. The Pentagon will also give priority to training of Israeli pilots, preparing them for nuclear attack with these fifth-generation fighters. Israel, which unlike Iran, continues to refuse to join the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, will not admit that it possesses a nuclear arsenal whose existence is recognized by the International Atomic Energy Agency, while suggesting threateningly that it has and that it can make use of it. Currently, it also refuses to participate in the Conference for the Establishment of a Nuclear Weapons-Free Zone in the Middle East, for which Iran has signed up. And then, meanwhile, Israel, which, according to its IPRI, has produced up to 2011, 690 to 950 kilograms of plutonium, continues to turn out sufficient quantities to produce each year from 10 to 15 bombs of a power equal to that of Nagasaki. And it also certainly produces tritium, a radioactive gas with which it manufactures new generation nuclear weapons. These are, these are what they call field nukes. These include many nukes for deployment in a minor theater of war and neutron weapons which generate low radioactive contamination but greater lethality due to their fast neutron emission, the most appropriate for striking objectives at a close distance from Israel. And it says the Arab states, members of the International uh, Arab Energy Agency, uh, had prepared a, re- prepared a resolution on Israel's nuclear capabilities, have under U.S. pressure agreed to delay its submission until 2013. Meanwhile, the wake of the bomb, not the one on the drawing, but the real one in Israel's possession, can be lit at any time. And this article too. 
It's quite interesting as well. It says non-governmental organizations. Now, you've got armies and armies and thousands of them, thousands of armies of NGOs across the world, all connected together through central heads uh, that manage them all, uh, bound to the big foundations, the tax-free foundations, which is actually the parallel government. That's what Quiglick and others have called them. And they are. They, they, they are the ones who are always lobbying government for changes to societies, etc., all in course with the original agreements drawn up when all these front foundations of the big bankers came into to being, these, these tax-free foundations, for charities, you understand. And they have these NGOs who are well paid at the top, better than politicians and so on, still call themselves charitable institutions, uh, lobbying to change all our ways of life, you know. It says, NGOs plot wave of criminal referrals to legitimize the International Criminal Court. Now, when they put the set up the, the League of Nations, they also set up uh, the, the embryo of the, an international criminal court for a global society. That's how old the system is. And to give it a legit legitimacy, they've got to start taking uh, various crimes and referring them to the criminal courts, who will then accept them. The more they accept, the more it legitimizes itself. That's how things become legal, just through time and use. So this article here says the NGOs submit evidence to the ICC on crimes against humanity and impunity in Honduras, and they call on the court to take up the case. Today, two leading human rights organizations submitted evidence to the International Criminal Court in The Hague, including expert testimony, periodic compilations of crimes against humanity committed in the last year, and evidence showing there's been no accountability so far for the crimes in Honduras since the 2009 coup. The Center for Constitutional Rights and the International Federation for Human Rights made the submission. So they're pushing for it to be have full legitimacy across the world. Back with more after this. I'm back, we're cutting through the matrix And also, uh, it's interesting that doublespeak that's used As we're spied upon by the big brother And this article here is to do with um, the perfect citizen program It sounds awfully nice, it's like Planned Parenthood It's planning, you know, planning's a good thing, isn't it? But it's a perfect citizen program And it says, Epic obtains documents on NAC perfect citizen program the Electronic Privacy Information Center has finally obtained documents in the Perfect Citizen Program run by the National Security Agency, which is the NSA, which monitors private computer networks in the U.S. So once we're spying on you all, call it the Perfect Citizen Program. The program, which the NSA claims is an effort to increase domestic cybersecurity, sounds much like proposed legislation reported in February of 2012. Link is here for that too. But this has been done without any such authorization, although Obama was reportedly considering the implementation of cybersecurity measures by executive order. The NSA has increasingly shifted their focus towards cybersecurity and digital communications with the construction of a massive, heavily fortified $2 billion spy complex and a close relationship with Google, which we'll probably never know the details of thanks to a U.S. appeals court. Well, Google is part of the uh, the NSA uh, British system as well. 
American British system. It's, well, actually, it's not even American British. Unless that's where they are often referred to. The Perfect Citizen program was revealed to the American public by a story published in the Wall Street Journal July 8, 2010. The program was supposedly just in the planning stages at that point and would include sensors and private computer networks which would only be activated by unusual activity and wouldn't constitute persistent monitoring. However, when the Wall Street Journal gained access to the internal emails from Raytheon Corporation, the contractor awarded a secret contractor worth up to $100 million, according to sources familiar with the perfect citizen, uh, though the documents seem to indicate the contract is worth up to around $90 million. It was revealed that the Raytheon didn't see it as such. One email stated, Perfect Citizen is Big Brother. Unsurprisingly, uh, Riathon refused to comment on, on the find. The newly released documents, and all the, all the links are on this article, which I'll put, I'll put up tonight at cuttingthroughmates.com. It says, obtained through EPIC through a Freedom of Information Act request are heavily redacted with large portions of paragraphs removed from many of the 190 pages released by EPIC on January 2, 2013. The documents reveal the justification for perfect citizen, namely that the prevention of a loss due to cyber or physical attack on sensitive control systems like large-scale utilities or recovery of operational capability after such an event is crucial to the continuity of the Department of Defense, the intelligence community, and the operation of SIGNET, the signals intelligence systems, according to EPIC. Well, the NSA has claimed that Perfect Citizen is nothing more than a research and development program. When the program was first revealed, the newly released documents paint a different picture. The documents by, obtained by EPIC suggest the program is operational. Indeed, the documents seem to show a fully operational program, even with the great deal of redaction in the, the critical areas. I said, did I forget anything or miss any errors? Would you like to make me aware of the story of the subject or cover? And so on. And I give you an email. This guy gives you an email of where to contact him. But remember, that's the perfect citizen program. It's a spy system on all of you. Everybody. That's what it's all about, folks. This is the brave new world to bring you into. Because uh, certain people thought you were too dumb and stupid to rule your own lives, you see. Mind you, the media has gone a great and, and lens with entertainment to try and make it that way. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people grew up with this degraded system, thinking it's all quite normal. And we become what they want us to be, but it's up to you to stop it. And it's quite easy to stop it for yourself. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you. <laughs>